You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome one, welcome all to the Monday edition of the SB Nation NFL show. That is, of course, Monday Football Monday. I am not RJ Ochoa. My name is Pete Sweeney, and today I'm joined by Brandon Lee Cotton. RJ Ochoa out and about. This is actually, and he wanted to make sure that I mentioned this, Brandon, the first Monday Football Monday that he's missed. So he wanted that officially on the record, as, as you could imagine. Yeah, the show got better. It's, I'm here. It's, it's an amazing upgrade for Monday Football Monday, so uh, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. It's already hard to to disagree with that. I, I, I do love RJ, but I also love variety, and as they say, variety is the spice of life and speaking of variety being the spice of life our listener mario cap he really likes to vary some of the reviews he leaves and we got another one from wednesday and it was a message to rj and he's got no opportunity to response today which makes it even better rj ranch is despicable i do not eat something that looks like bacterial culture medium otherwise rj and blg great podcast so are you a ranch or blue cheese guy pete i forget i fall under the blue cheese category Mm. if i'm gonna eat hot wings i like the taste of it now do i dislike ranch no i I could have ranch every now and again but predominantly give me blue cheese i also like to eat blue cheese and even sometimes ranch on pepperoni pizza wow i was talking to a friend of a friend the other day and i don't know how this this topic came up and and we're We'll get into the football in a second, but he suggested something, and this is this is a you know, hopefully he doesn't listen to this. He's a big man. Seems like he knows his food. Mm-hmm. He says my dad taught me at a very young age: go one half ranch, one half blue cheese, and mix them up half and half. Was this person Andy Reid? <laughs> I I I know why you would say that, but but no, it, it was not. And and speaking of of this topic and and reading this review. If you leave a review, especially if it's five stars on the SB Nation NFL show, we will, of course, read it on this show today on Monday Football Monday. BLG and I will talk about some risers and fallers who we think maybe will make the playoffs after not making it last year and some fallers who may might miss the playoffs after making it last year. But before we do, we're going to get into some news and notes uh, from around the league And it was a big weekend in the NFL because this was the weekend where we get the offseason truly started, where you're having some of these team activities. I know that uh, there are some teams, and and this is a little bit muddled right now with OTAs, where with the Players Association, some teams are are saying skip voluntary workouts. Rookie minicamp feels like it's a little bit different because these rookies are eager. So it seemed like a lot of teams uh, were participating in this. And it comes with the message, and and I think this is all-encompassing for every team, that now... Fully vaccinated players and staff will no longer be required to wear masks at NFL team facilities. And I'd imagine, okay, right? 
Football is hard enough, let alone wearing a mask while having to do this. Uh, so this provides motivation for players to get a vaccination. I know the league has been saying, OK, we're not going to make players get a vaccination. But, hey, if you don't want to wear a mask, why don't you go get it done? And I also think that, BLG, this is steps the league is taking uh, to try to just continue to get into the direction of normalcy. I know that the owners want a completely normal season. The owners, if you believe it, don't like losing money. And so this is a step in that direction to get full stadiums, regular training camps, so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, it's been a big development in the world, you know, at least in America here, yeah. in the United States, I should say, with the CDC, you know, coming out and basically saying that people in general, if they're vaccinated, really in any kind of environment, even bigger environments, because for a while recently, it was kind of like people should still wear masks in crowded environments, even if they're fully vaccinated. But now, you know, the latest restriction has kind of been lifted. Now, obviously, there's still mask mandates and everything, and, and not everyone is vaccinated. And maybe, you know, you still want to be cautious, and no one could kind of blame, I think, anyone who wants to err on the side of caution, especially if they right. have conditions or whatever. It's a pandemic. It's scary. Uh, everyone kind of, I think, is going at their own pace in some regards. So, but yeah, in terms of the NFL world, um, I think, like you said it, this is the motivation for players to get vaccinated if they're not. And I know Brandon Breen, you know, the Buffalo Bills GM recently commented and kind of had to, I think, apologize or whatever, kind of the NFL pushed back on him saying yeah, like, about cutting a player yeah. for not getting vaccinated. Yes, yeah. Brandon, come on. I mean, I'm like, I, I, you can try to take it back, but that's out there now. Like, and, and maybe that's in the back of players' right. heads too. It's like, you know, if you're a player, you know, trying to make the roster, don't you want to do like everything you can to make sure you're not inconveniencing the team, especially again, like right. you're on the fringe. So, so yeah, I think, you know, we are going to see more and more players get vaccinated. That's why I prefer you as my Brandon. I, I would never <laughs> consider Brandon, Brandon Bean to be my Brandon with comments like that. All right, moving on again, rookie mini camp this weekend, which means these rookies were, run up to these Zoom calls, their first opportunity to interview with the beat reporters in their cities. And I I just felt like running back Najee Harris of the Pittsburgh Steelers stole the show. We saw you today with a one-handed catch. Uh, also nearly come down with one that was thrown oh, behind. you saw that? I saw that. And then you almost caught one that was thrown behind. You guys were here? We were there watching, right yeah. <laughs> Where are you guys at? We were up on the balcony. But uh, Matt, they all boosters. <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. Um, but so, you, are those things that you you feel like uh, you may maybe two years ago you might not have been able to do that make those kind of plays? Is that why you went back to to Alabama that last year to get better in that part of your game? Bro, what? <laughs> where are you from? Did you? Where you? Did you? You always cover Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah. Right. Uh, well, I think I mean I always been catching the ball, man. The reason why I say it is because every time somebody say I'm this talking question, about the one the one handed catch and, and and you nearly caught the one behind. I the always back. do that. Okay, I always do that. All right. Oh, <laughs> not not to brag or nothing, but it's like it's like what the heck? Like you think it's your, it wasn't luck? I can tell you that since y'all was watching, I'll do it again for you. Nah, I'm, I'm gonna get in trouble. But I mean, like it just I mean it, it just it's just it's not something I, I work on. It's just I mean, I've been doing that since like. Middle school. I mean, it's just—I got big hands, man. <laughs> yeah. So I did some some digging on this BLG, and the reporter asking the questions. This good man by the name of Dale Lolly, mm. who's very popular, apparently in Pittsburgh, has been covering the Steelers since 1993. Wow! So you have Najee up there asking uh, the reporter 
how long have you been covering? What have you been doing? Who are you, essentially? And, of course, it, it's a decades-long Steelers beat reporter. But this is, I think, one of the better parts of what is Rookie Minicamp Weekend because you can start to see some of the personality of these guys. And you know, we're fortunate enough, BLG, to cover the league as a whole. This is my new favorite non-Chiefs player. I, I, wow. I know that he's an AFC rival. I, I am going to be plugged in for whenever he takes the podium. He does, in fact, have big hands. He has 98 percentile hands, according to Mock Draftable, <laughs> uh, 10 and a quarter inches. So he wasn't lying. I love the attitude of just like, I'm just good. Like, why are you questioning this? Like, this shouldn't be a surprise. Like, I'm just a good player. So that's why it happened. That's funny to me. Yeah, this was a player that was taken 24th overall and really was everybody's mock. And essentially, I mean, everyone knew that James Conner was no longer a Pittsburgh Steeler. This is a team that likes to run the football under Mike Tomlin. They desperately needed a running back. He fell to them, and now he is a Steeler and really feels like it's going to be one of those beloved Steelers if he keeps up this attitude. Uh, another rookie. And it's wide receiver Amon Ra St. Brown mm. of the Lions. He made headlines for saying he's ready to take someone's job. And my response to this is, well, I would hope so. <laughs> Kenny Galladay is a New York Giant and Marvin Jones Jr. is a Jacksonville Jaguar. Uh, he fell to the, the fourth round, which he apparently did not like. He also said, I'm never going to forget the 15 receivers that went before me in the draft. That kind of chip that I have my shoulder coming in, everything that I do. Whenever I'm thinking about anything, that just comes back to my, my mind, and it just motivates me to do more. Of course, I sometimes have caution when I hear this type of line because instantly I think about Josh Rosen and how his career has gone. I mean, he, he was saying things like this before he played a single game. Now, I think this is the attitude you want to have, and the Lions need some receiving help given those those two guys have, have left, and this is not a quarterback situation anymore where the quarterback is going to be able to do everything like that. Jared Goff is not that type of guy, which is why he's on the Detroit Lions. And so uh, I, I like this attitude, but it seems pretty obvious to me. Can you name the top three receivers on the Detroit Lions on as listed officially on their R lads roster page? Pete, I know that Tyra Williams yes. is there. Mm hmm. See, it's tough. This is the point. <laughs> I don't. It's not. Is Megatron back or what? Is he, is he back in the mix? <laughs> he is not back in the mix. Brashad Perriman, who's had injury issues okay. and inconsistency okay. issues. Uh, Tyrell Williams, as you mentioned, coming off injury. And then Khalif Raymond. Um, Khalif exactly, Raymond. Yeah. Not exactly a household name there or really across the board. So, uh, yeah, I would hope uh, Amon <laughs> Ra St. Brown would be ready to take someone's job because there are. I mean, he could start in the slot right away. I think, you know, that's how he was kind of built out. Uh, coming out of USC there. Yeah, I, remember. I mean, if, you're, if your priority, though, is like number one to just get playing time and you're like a fourth round talent, this is the perfect place for you to go, really. You know, I think he should, he should be a little bit juiced up about that. Yeah, I mean, he, he better be because he's probably going to have to play. That's the thing. All right. From Detroit, we go to Packers land. Matt LaFleur uh, on Aaron Rodgers. The, the Packers want him back in the worst way. <laughs> this is... This is just getting sad. I, I love how you I, have that written there, too, in your notes. Yeah, this is getting I'm sad. sad. I'm sad for Matt LaFleur. I'm sad for the Packers because they they are your friend who is hung up on their ex-girlfriend. He got dumped and just can't let it go, can't move on, is in misery. You can't do anything like, do you want to go golf, buddy? We can go out and you want to go have a few pops at the at the local establishment for happy hour. Nothing you do for this person is getting them to focus on anything else but the ex-girlfriend. It's too late. Aaron Rodgers, I, you, you know his personality, and, and let me know if you agree with me here. I don't think there is a chance 
that Aaron Rodgers plays for the Green Bay Packers in 2021. I, 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 I think this is over. And I, I think the organization should be seeking the most possible co- compensation because it can get to a point where maybe you have only one or two suitors. And I mean, we may already be there, which means I think the longer it goes, the more compensation that you miss out on. Move on. I mean, I know it's not an ideal situation, but this is what it is. You know, your management got you here. We know about uh, the problems with Rodgers and the GM. It's too late for me. I was reading uh, Mike Florio's mailbag that he did for Pro Football Talk this week, and someone asked him, like, what would you do if you were the Packers? How would you handle Aaron Rodgers? And he was talking about how, you know, Mark Murphy, you know, Packers kind of owner, uh, you know, or president, whatever you want to call him, obviously Packers not a traditional owner, um, was saying, like, he's, like, motivated. He's in a spot where he, he wouldn't want to get Aaron, rid of Aaron Rodgers, of course. But you look at the GM, uh, you know, and then it's a totally different situation. And it feels like the GM has more motivation to get rid of him. And, and it's like you drafted Jordan Love last year. You presumably have right. some level of faith in him. Um, you're never going to get a higher return for Aaron Rodgers than you are right now. Uh yeah, I, I just I can't see how Aaron Rodgers is back. It feels like if we've reached this point, it's not just as simple as one quick fix. Although I guess like if they just made him the highest paid player in the NFL and gave him some kind of like like Godfather offer in terms of a contract with a ton of guarantees, then I, I maybe. But I don't know. It seems like more personal than that still. Yeah, it's it it just seems like Rodgers is taking the approach. It's the GM or me. And it doesn't seem like they're getting rid of the GM. So at a certain point, I think you got to embrace that and make the move. It reminds me of Deshaun Watson before all the off the field stuff happened. Like mm. Deshaun Watson took this approach and the Texans were just like in complete denial and they're not going to trade him. Like the NFL is going more to the way of the NBA where players are, are wanting a say in this. And if they feel like, OK, this is not the best situation for me to win a Super Bowl and Rogers certainly feels that way. I mean, how many years does he really have left? Uh, 37 years old, probably sees what Tom Brady did, did and said, I can go to a new team and in year one win the Super Bowl. Now, something that is lost here, and because I, I think a lot of quarterbacks have seen this in the league, Russell Wilson included, is, man, Brady is like the ultimate outlier. It just seems like he can pull things off that no other human being on the planet can pull off. Uh, so I, I think you got to keep that in mind if you're the player. Now, that being said, like I, I'll just go back to my original point. I, don't, I just don't think Rodgers is playing for the Green Bay Packers this year. So make the move. Uh, Brandon, I'm going <clears> to <throat> rely on you for this section around the mm-hmm. NFC East. You you and RJ, uh, really great new podcast with the the <sighs> NFC East mixtape. Uh, but this fits right into that. A couple NFC East notes here. The Giants sign wide receiver turned tight end Kelvin Benjamin and Corey Clement, the running back. Uh, I'm telling you right now, Kelvin Benjamin had like a cup of coffee with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. This is a nothing move. Uh, this guy should not make any roster. I don't care what <laughs> position. You can make him the punter, and he shouldn't make the team. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan, this, you just got done yeah. with the story. He said goodbye to uh, the WFT and hello to the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Cowboys also also feel that Dak Prescott will be ready uh, by camp. So generally speaking, what are your takeaways from all, all of these moves? And how could you forget Corey Clement, former Eagles Super Bowl hero? <laughs> That's right. Joining That's right. the New York Giants. So yeah, a lot of right. activity in the NFC East, which will Kissing be- Cousins, the Kissing Cousins of the NFL this weekend. Well, there you go. Um, I'll start with Kerrigan, just because obviously I cover the Eagles. Sure. And uh, that is kind of surprising to me. Um, I think Ryan Kerrigan is like an underrated player uh, nationally. Uh, this like, I think he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. This guy is Washington's all-time sacks leader. Uh, kind of got phased out of the rotation last year. You know, he's going to be turning 33 mm-hmm. in August. So obviously, his very best 
days of football his prime is behind him but uh, it's an interesting move for the eagles because like it seems like uh you know this is a guy who's played three four for you know he's been a three four outside linebacker for most of his career and now it seems like the eagles might be kind of running more of a hybrid defense this year with bringing in jonathan gannon and just from a uh eagles fan standpoint pete uh ryan kerrigan has killed the eagles i don't know if people know this but like <laughs> just like domination like it's like i have the numbers yeah. here let me pull them up it's it's crazy how like you just go into a game and you're like you know ryan kerrigan is going to do something that causes misery for the eagles he has 13.5 sacks 15 tackles for loss 24 quarterback hits six forced fumbles one interception one defensive touchdown in his games against the eagles so i think the eagles are relieved that he can no longer hurt them uh i think that's that's maybe worth the signing in itself uh as for the other things you said you know i think clement is just a depth addition for the giants yeah. uh Kevin Benjamin, you just crushed him. Uh, it's kind of weird to me, Pete, that like <laughs> we'll get to Tebow a little bit later. I can't wait to talk about yeah. that. Um, but like these guys who have been out of the NFL are just like returning. It's kind of funny to me. It's like Kevin Benjamin, he last played in 2018. Like he's coming back a couple of seasons later. It's kind of funny. You would you would think that there would be some kind of prospect on the street that would deserve a 90 man roster spot other than ben- Benjamin and the elephant in the room who we'll mention in just a second. But yes, I, I, I don't understand. And to go back to the Kerrigan point, where I find this interesting is so at the end of his Chiefs career, Derek Johnson joined the the Oakland Raiders at the time, and it became real apparent very quickly into the season that Johnson didn't have any juice left. Where it's interesting is it seems like Kerrigan does, and imagine if you have one of these NFC East games, don't forget Washington won last year toward the end of the year, and this is the difference maker. You know, and I I like Ron Rivera a lot. There have been moves that I've questioned uh, about him. Teaser for later's segment. Mm. Uh, so I I I don't know. I, I I find it very interesting, and and it really seems like this team guy type of player, where you're not only losing some of the production, and granted he's an older player now, but also some of that like locker room team signature leadership and. Man, if you're joining the Philadelphia Eagles over, what did I read? It was the Steelers, and there was another team, another team interested. Yes. Bengals. There's pretty obvious. I want to stay in this division and prove you wrong, and it, it doesn't seem like the type of player that will say that. But this action tells you otherwise. It almost reminds me of the Chris Long signing. A lot of people have, you know, compared that to when the Eagles signed Chris Long in 2017. And obviously a little bit different of a stage where the Eagles were at, which just kind of makes the signing weird. Like you just touched on there. Like, why is he joining a team that has kind of even admitted they're retooling and not like all in? I know people don't like to hear that. Like the Eagles aren't seriously contending for a Super Bowl this year. But the owner basically said that. Like we're not, you know, making moves just to go all in this year. We're kind of making a more long-term approach. But I think it comes down to culture. I think it comes down to them valuing edge rushers. Um, So I'm I'm okay with it. I, I like Ryan Kerrigan a lot. But it is the fit is a little just kind of makes me wonder. Yeah, I, I think if the Eagles make the playoffs this year, that's a, that's a win. Same thing sure. for the, the Giants. And and even because of Washington and that quarterback situation, that's a win. I mean, the only team that really feels like it's like Super Bowl or bust is Jerry down in Dallas. Got to get back to the Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> let's be realistic, you know, and and I think for a lot of these teams in the NFC, playoffs is, is a big victory, in, in my opinion. All right. To another team in the NFC, the Chicago Bears, who have said that Andy Dalton will get the one reps in OTAs after a strong rookie camp from Justin Fields, can only be so strong in rookie minicamp. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot that they're doing. It's, it's three it's, days. <laughs> it's shorts, and it's there's not even like defensive and offensive linemen. Not that the quarterback can be hit anyway in training camp, but it, there's only so much you could tell. 
Uh, the messaging from the team right now is that Andy Dalton will start. Uh, looks like Matt Nagy will be evaluating how fast Justin Fields can can pick up the game. I think this is the right approach. Where I find this interesting is in the business of football, because Matt Nagy was not there for the Mitch Trubisky pick. Pace was, right? So if you go Dalton this year, and let's say he does keep the job and Fields never sees the field, and you don't make the playoffs again. Uh, remember, there's 17 games now, and you end up finishing uh, 8-9. and nine. I, I'm never... I'm never going to get used to the 17-game records. Uh, maybe one day, but not yet. Uh, eight and nine. Is Pace still here? I, I, you know, I just wonder that. I think Nagy has more of a leash right now mm. uh, because I think they're going to want to see what he can do with Fields. But if Fields doesn't touch the field, and this is a team that loses out on the on the playoffs, I just think it, it makes for a very interesting conversation about Ryan Pace in the offseason. I am all for in the offseason saying the veteran is the guy or kind of giving them the leg up at first because I think you yeah. want to push a young player like this. You want to make them work right. for it. You can't just like have them come in and just hand them the job unless it's like, you know, maybe an obvious situation like Trevor Lawrence, you know, like just, you know, like generational potentially kind of quarterback. He's the number one overall pick. That's a, an exception. But if, you know, you're coming into a situation where you're not that and Fields isn't, he was the 11th pick. And uh, I think it, it's, it's okay to have an environment where you're not just handing it to him. You have to make him work for it. I get that. Now, with that said, I think any snaps spent on Andy Dalton this year for the Bears is a waste of time, especially for a coach and a GM who are very much on the hot seat. Like Andy Dalton right. looking fine isn't going to save their job. Justin Fields looking like a franchise quarterback is going to save their job. And I think they know that. And I think Fields will be starting sooner than later. Maybe not week one, but like it could be like a Herbert situation, although, you know, that was a little weird. Because yeah, of- it's like what's the like, let's say Dalton does start week one. What's mm-hmm. the scenario where he gets to keep that job? I mean, he almost has to go undefeated. I think back to yeah. the. The, the the Miami Dolphins last year when they get to the, their bye week and they're three and three and Fitzpatrick is yeah. playing pretty well and they're like no you know like, that's it like if, what, if he's six and home he probably does keep that job but at the time it was 500 football and they're like it's time for Tua and then Ryan Fitzpatrick became the uh, first closer in NFL history uh, usually a baseball position but uh, good for him to, to put that on his resume with the thousand teams he's he's been on. All right. We got to get to these quickly because I know we're, we're up against the break here. Uh, Tom Brady uh, apparently was still trying to figure out how to call the plays midway through the 2020 season, which is unbelievable. No, um, don't buy it. I don't. Fake. I just I, I what what is going on? I it, you know, it's it just becomes more embarrassing to the other 31 teams, including the team that they whooped in the Super Bowl. Uh, if they were still trying to figure out the playbook midway through the season, it, this does feel like one of those stories of Bruce Arians and embellishing and like Paul Bunyan-esque, like Tom Brady is this folklore figure that we're supposed to worship. Um, I don't know. The Bucks are, to me, and granted, I know that there's some bias here in covering the Chiefs. They're becoming like one of the more unlikable teams in the NFL. And I know the <laughs> Super Bowl champion is, is usually the unlikable team, but the Bucks were not even on the radar two years ago. They pull off this miracle Super Bowl and miracle just because of just the turnover. And it just doesn't usually work out for teams that do this. Uh, they they win the Super Bowl and are now kind of like extra braggy and storyline heavy about it. I don't love it. I And, and I, I just think that uh, this is going to be a team even more so besides being the champion with a target on their back when the season begins. This is a fake story. Uh, I don't buy this for a second. This is this, <laughs> this reeks of like, actually, our Super Bowl win was even more impressive than it appeared to be, which is the opposite is true, uh, Pete. I've said before, look, 
you look at how the Buccaneers got to the Super Bowl last year. First of all, they had the healthiest team in the league somehow. So they were very lucky on that right. front. And that's part of the game, whatever. I'm, I'm not faulting them for it. I'm just saying, like, this isn't like some extremely deserved outcome and they overcame the odds. Like, no, that's not what happened here. They played a sub-500 team in the wild card, starting an XFL backup at quarterback in Taylor Henneke. Then they had to play um, – who did they play after Washington? Was it the – Rams? Yeah, it was the Rams who yeah. weren't they didn't have their starting quarterback healthy and Jared Goff. They had to start a backup in that game. Um so great they did that. Then they beat the Packers when the head coach didn't even really truly want to win the game and decided to kick a field goal instead of letting the MVP player of the league, uh Aaron Rodgers try to actually throw a touchdown so yeah like spare me and then they get like the chiefs the most neutered version of the chiefs we've seen in forever with no offensive line decimated right before the super bowl so like yeah i mean mike remmers who we saw in a previous super bowl get destroyed at left tackle got destroyed at left (laughs) tackle i mean it was just history repeating itself and and yeah the chiefs had two of those offensive line opt-outs and they were down to their backups of their backups of their backups and uh, I think the you know even if the Chiefs line is healthy, it seemed like the, it was the Bucks night anyway. But I mm-hmm. I think that's why it was so bad. Anyway, another minor signing the Bucks signed former Chief Antonio Hamilton. He actually was a former Giant as well. A cornerback. This is a depth signing. Special teams guy. Pretty good special teams guy. Uh, and he and he does play some slot. Um, so interesting signing for the Bucks. Maybe some tips on the Chiefs and, the, and their defense. Not that the Bucks really need them all that much. Uh, last story, and then we'll get to the break. Tim Tebow, seems like the outrage is just real palpable right now in the NFL. And I think for good reason. This is a guy who's not played a regular season snap in eight years. So you understand it a bit. Uh, and their, their first round running back in Etienne, uh, Trevor Etienne, is taking wide receiver reps in Urban Meyer's practices. And he wants them to take wide receiver reps. And you know what? Like you have a player like that in, in Chenault already. What what was that pick? You have the best running back and now you're moving the the back to wide out while you're signing Tim Tebow. Is this another Gruden situation in Jacksonville? I feel like this outrage about Tim Tebow is it's just too much. We don't need to be outraged about Tim Tebow. It's Tim Tebow. Like he's it's a ninety man roster spot. Like <laughs> it's fine. I maybe I'm a little biased because is, Tim- will the outrage be okay if he makes a fifty three? So you're saying it, it's got to be delayed a little bit, right? I mean, if he well, presumably though, if he makes the fifty three, it's because he deserved it. Unless Urban is really just like you know like mm-hmm. being ridiculously uh, uh you know biased and like nepotism whatever um and is putting him on the team when he doesn't deserve it. But I feel like. And by the way, we should say as of May seventeenth at eleven thirty-seven a.m. as we're recording this, I don't—he hasn't even officially signed yet. So everyone's freaking out about a move that hasn't actually officially happened yet. But I guess you know, presumably will. Um, I'm fine with it. Uh, and as for Etienne taking reps at, and also I saw outrage about this too. Like, what's wrong with that? It's a it's a running back trying to like contribute in a more valuable way than running the ball catching the ball i'm sure he will be used as a running back as well like there's no there's no issue with any of this and i look i am far from an urban Meyer meyer defender so that's not what's happening here but uh right i'm not mad about any of this stuff blg urban meyer is number one uh, fanboy <laughs> please, quite obviously please no <laughs> no i i i'm just look we got to see what happens here i think lawrence is the type of talent that could really push this team to relevance again even in year one and so Right now, you, you you give him the benefit of the doubt, but there are some Mayock Gruden-esque type of signs down in Jacksonville. That's all I'll say for now. We'll see mm-hmm. how this 
plays out. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back on Monday Football Monday, three risers and three fallers. Stay with us. Back here on Monday Football Monday, Pete Sweeney and BLG in for RJ Ochoa. We are talking about three risers and three fallers in this year's NFL season. And so this is how this works. Of course, last year you had the 14 teams make the playoffs. We're each going to select three teams that we feel might fall out of contention. And then there were teams that did not make the playoffs. We're going to talk about why certain teams that didn't make the playoffs last year might be able uh, to make it this year. Let's start with the risers. So BLG, I'll let you go first. Who's one of your your risers this year? Well, you're going to love this one. And I don't know if you've heard me say this on other podcasts on this platform, Pete, but the Chargers are winning the AFC West this year. It's their division now. I, I know wow. you love to hear that. I know you totally won't. Oh, yeah, you, you love it, right? You're gonna and you're totally gonna bring that up to me when it when it doesn't happen. But look, mm-hmm. look at look at the facts here. Justin Herbert okay. thrived last year behind arguably the league's or at least one of the league's very worst pass protecting offensive lines. He has an offensive line that has now been since built up. You're getting Derwin James back. I think Brandon Staley is a big upgrade over Anthony Lynn there. This is the 27th most injured team in the league last year, according to adjusted games lost, and 30th, by the way, in 2019. So they've had bad injury luck the past couple of years. They're finally due for some good one, some good injury luck at some point here. I'm on, all in on the Chargers, Pete. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's an annual tradition in the NFL. And NFL analyst, the Chargers is always the pick. It's a hot pick. It's an easy pick to make. They they got some pieces there. Here's where I, I agree. I have them on my risers list. And so I just think it is another team that has had a nice offseason. You mentioned the bolstered offensive line with Corey Lindsley, Matt Filer, Rashawn Slater falling them into the draft. I, I consider that a, a great loss for the Chiefs. That was so fortunate for L.A. and so bad for every other team in the division. Justin Herbert, to me, has top five potential. So what I like about L.A. and what they did is like, let's, just, we're, let's protect this guy, and he's going to make things happen, similar to what Patrick Mahomes is able to do for the Chiefs. They had Jared Cook to replace Hunter Henry. People really seem to love Asante Samuel Jr., who they took in the second. I think BLG, and this is where it's different, this has <laughs> wild card written all over it. And... Who knows if they can really go on a tear and make the division interesting. I am looking at week three against the Chiefs. So in covering the Chiefs, you, you, you see the way the season is set up. Week one against the Browns in the late game. Sunday night football against the Baltimore Ravens. I have said on other podcasts, no, no, no. The game to watch is week three. Just a noon measly game against the L.A. Chargers. Buried kind of. I think this is going to be a mistake by NFL schedule makers not making this game a primetime game. I think this is going to be a great game between Mahomes and, and Herbert. And let's see how it goes. If the Chargers are to win the AFC West, you would think that uh, they would get this one. So I'll I'll go next again. Um, and this is a pick that you're going to like. How about them Cowboys? <laughs> I think the Dallas Cowboys are a riser this year. You can't overstate, in my opinion, the injection of a top five quarterback to a team. I consider Dak Prescott to be at least in that range. We'll see how it finishes, but certainly top 10, maybe top five. You add guys like Keanu Neal, Terrell Basham, Carlos Watkins, Jordan Lewis. So you're trying to bolster that defense. You drafted Mike Parsons and Kelvin Joseph with the first two picks. 
I feel about the Cowboys like I used to feel about the Kansas City Chiefs in the Alex Smith and early Mahomes days. I just think that if you can get the defense to match or at least be average in middle of the road, you are dealing with a playoff football team because that, that offense is so good. We were seeing numbers last year in the Dak Prescott offense that like we hadn't seen. It felt like NFL blitz, 450 yards and multiple touchdowns. Now, they had to come back a few times, and, and we'll see how it looks in the full season. But, man, it's the best quarterback in the division right now, and to me it's not even – not even close. And so I, I, I have the Cowboys as a, as a, as a riser. Well, you mentioned uh, the Cowboys being a playoff football team. I actually believe it will be the football team going to the playoffs instead of the Cowboys winning the NFC East this year. He, I think the Cowboys have the, I mean, the opportunity is there. The NFC East, not a good division. Dak, like you said, went healthy, which I don't think we can just assume that like, there are going to be zero effects from this injury because it's a very yeah. significant injury. And I know, you know, it's been said, oh, he's going to be fine. He's going to have no limitations. Let's see it because I heard that about Carson Wentz. I've heard that about other quarterbacks who come off injury and haven't always quite been the same or just players in general. So mm-hmm. I think that's a concern. I think the fact that Mike McCarthy isn't a good head coach and <laughs> we kind of like maybe forget like there was okay. t- there, there, were, there were times last year when he, we thought he might be one and done. That's your best point. So far, of the ones that you've named, I, I that I could I could almost get behind, and and it does throw a wrinkle into my prediction for sure. Uh, I also think their defense is still bad. Like they addressed it in some ways, and but right. even more importantly than that, like their offensive line could crumble, like because it did last year. And I don't think they didn't really do anything to address it, and that was my big criticism of them in the draft. Like they're just kind of counting on that unit to stay healthy, and I think they're kind of overestimating what they have there. It might work out; they might all stay healthy. Yeah. It might be best case scenario, but if it doesn't, it could get ugly real quick. And all of a sudden, you're looking at an offense. Okay, we have all these weapons, but okay, can't protect your quarterback. Big issue. Yeah, no, no, no problem. A couple incorrect predictions from you uh, early on in the segment. Now let's go to your next riser. Who do you like? Who else do you like? I'll keep it short with this one. It's the Falcons. I mean, I think, you know, the NFC South is open to an extent. I know the Bucks are there, but I still think, you know, even if you're saying the Falcons can win a wild card uh, or spot, why not? Uh, Matt Ryan yeah. could still very much play. Like, he hasn't been bad. Uh, he hasn't been like the reason why the Falcons have been held back. There's been a lot of issues. And I think bringing in Arthur Smith is going to make a difference. I, I liked Arthur Smith as a head coaching candidate this offseason. You look at you know the creativity he's had with the Titans and their offense and everything. Um, I feel like the, the Falcons have a lot of talent on this team. And this is kind of assuming they don't trade Julio Jones, which I don't know why they would do if they're like still going for it. And they, and they should. And, they, and they're making a run at this. They get Kyle Pitts. That's another big weapon for them. I think the Falcons, you know, with the Saints taking a step back, Panthers still not really afraid of them. I think, uh, I mean, I think the Falcons could potentially win the NFC South. I don't think that's crazy, but at very least a wild card team. That was a team that was in dire need of some new head coaching. And you know, if you still believe in Matt Ryan, and, and I think there's plenty of reason to, as you were alluding to, then that's where the change in head coaching matters. If he can still play, this team has plenty of weapons where you could see them get back into the mix. And so that's that's a nice pick. Not on my list. The final team on my list is the Miami Dolphins, who were 10 and 6 last year, mm. barely missed the playoffs. This is a come up of the year type of team for me. Wow. Not enough people are talking about them as a team that could win the AFC East. They added Adam Butler. I like the Will Fuller edition. I think 2020 saw training wheels for Tua. In 2021, they are off. I think Brian Flores, in that regard, has earned our trust. 
The Dolphins trading out of position to take a quarterback, to me, was a very clear sign that Tua is the guy they believe he can take this team to the postseason. Their first rounders were wide receiver Jalen Waddell, defensive end Jalen Phillips. If I'm complaining about this team, I don't love the running backs, but we've seen in, in this era's version of the NFL, you could have me or you at running back and maybe you can make the postseason. I would like to see maybe a Le'Veon Bell added there, make it interesting down in Miami. We'll see. Uh, but I like this team as a riser. You have one more team as a riser or... or? I have one more team. Uh, Tua, the Tua factor makes me just skeptical. Like, I, there's I, a question there. Yeah, yeah. there's a question there. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm out on Tua. I'm just saying like I, I, I want to take the Dolphins because I like them, and I, I want you to be right. Uh, maybe not totally because the Eagles have their first-round <laughs> pick, and it would be better if they're really bad. But just from an agnostic perspective, uh, yeah. I have the Vikings as my last team. I think, okay. you know, obviously on the cusp, uh, the defense was much worse than it normally was under Mike Zimmer last year. They were 18th in DVOA, actually 26th in the weighted DVOA, which kind of factors in more recent performances so that – Tells you, like, towards the end of the season, the defense kind of just really fell apart. Um, they had some injury issues, some personnel issues. I think Zimmer's going to figure that out and at least get it to respectable instead of being bad. And I think the NFC North, you know, could be very much for the taking if Aaron Rodgers isn't back. Uh, the Vikings also add Christian Dersall at left tackle, which is a big deal for them, helping out their offensive line. I am by no means a Kirk Cousins guy, but I think he can get this team to the playoffs. Now, he won't do anything once they're in the playoffs, but he can get them there. Worth noting on the Vikings also, they took a quarterback in the third round, pick number 66, and Kellen Mond. I know that Mike Zimmer recently signed an extension, but this feels like a year that they got to show some kind of life. I don't know if you have to get in the postseason, but you can't have a dismal year. I, I think that you could see Zimmer being on the hot seat if they are in like that four win range. Sure. All right, let's go to some some fallers. I'll start with the AFC, and I, I'm looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think this is the most obvious one. I'm not sure if you have him on your list, but I just think it's a case where a team is trusting their franchise with a player who doesn't have anything left in Big Ben. Uh, I know they went uh, with Najee Harris, who I expressed my love for earlier. Uh, but unless they're going like 1960s version of football with Big Ben on a, some kind of pitch count, I, you know, I don't know if that's definitely the case. I just don't see it for the Steelers. They got a talented receiving core. That needs a new passer, in my opinion. Very obvious. They lost Bud Dupree, uh, which was concerning. Again, you know, this is a team that was undefeated, lost to your your WFT BLG, mm. and then it never felt like they were the same again. And I think that continues to tailspin into this year. And that happens. I mean, you see teams that go through this. The fact that Tomlin has had as much success as he has with the lack of like under 500 football, I think that streak is probably broken this year. And then you start to rebuild next year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That streak concerns me, though. And I, I, it's not a shock. No one will be surprised, not a single person, if the Steelers are bad this season. But I just like I'm so hesitant to bet against them because I think about how bad things got um, not this past season, 2019, when like they had no business winning eight games, and they still won eight games despite having to start Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. Like this is a team, this is an organization that has their stuff together, and I think like they can grind it out and potentially make the playoffs. I I don't I'm not counting on that, but I I'm, I can't I have to stay away from it. I can't like just count on their demise, even though I guess we feel like it should happen. But what if there's a situation, like you mentioned, where Najee Harris comes in, he's almost like rookie Zeke Elliott, and he just makes life super easy on Big Ben, where Big Ben doesn't right. even have to do much heavy lifting. 20 throws a game, maybe, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I could see yeah. that. I could see that. Well, I mean, I, I think there's always, now that we're embracing betting, hashtag DK Nation, 
Um, there are games you just don't touch, so you're just choosing not to. Yes. You're not betting for or against them. You just say, I don't Stay know. Away. I don't know here. All right, who's your your first faller? Uh, the Saints has to be. I mean, this this is an obvious one, right? I mean, who's the quarterback? We don't know who the starting quarterback <laughs> is. And even if we know the answer, no one's feeling good about it. This is also the fourth healthiest team in the league last year, so they could be due for some bad injury luck here. Um, like, look, I know it's Sean Payton, and he's obviously a good ho- head coach. I hate saying that because um, not the biggest Sean Payton fan, but uh, I just I can't get over the quarterback issue. It's a big issue. Maybe this is hypocritical of me just after the Saints, uh, the Steelers thing I just said, but I, I just like how can, how are Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill like playoff starting caliber quarterbacks? They're just not. Well, you're missing the fact that Jameis Winston has those corrected eyeballs, baby, <laughs> and he is. A different quarterback now in New Orleans. They're going to be eating some W's down in the Big Easy. Now, I I can see why you would put the Saints there. I, I have a little bit more belief, I think, it sounds like in Jameis than, than you do. Now, I don't I don't think he's going to go from 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions to being this super elite quarterback. But does he have a, a ceiling that is like top 15? I can see him being among the top half of quarterbacks in the NFL. But it is a big question mark. That You're right. You're 100% right on that. We don't know. Uh, another one I have on my list uh, is the Packers. Just because if we're yeah. saying Aaron Rodgers is going to be back, Pete, then then we have to put them here, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's it's really hard to say because they could look like a fool and they could win like thirteen games for the what the third season in a row. Um, if he does, but I don't know. I, and I, it's maybe Jordan Love is good too. By the way, like it's it's possible he comes in and or maybe obviously not as good as Aaron Rodgers, but maybe they're still a playoff team with Jordan Love just because of the right. way uh, they've been able to have success. But man, uh, if Rodgers isn't there, then I think this team could be really really bad because I think the Packers aren't an amazing squad like on their own merit. Like they're amazing because Aaron Rodgers is there. You do have Blake Bortles in that mix, who oh, did go to true. an AFC title game, so you got to keep that in mind. But yeah, I could see the Packers really falling off, and because you know we just looking on the field, and you say, okay, you insert a quarterback there, maybe they can get to like around five hundred. But there's such an emotional boost that comes with having the MVP quarterback, and then now you're starting a guy who's never started before, or Blake Bortles, and that <laughs> is a, a a key hit to your mentality. Like the Packers pick, uh, they were not on my list. I have the Tennessee Titans. Talked about Bud Dupree. He actually went to the Titans in free free agency, but they lost a lot of key names like Jadavian Clowney, Malcolm Butler, Adam Humphreys, Corey Davis, Janu Smith. It just seems like a lot to me. I know you have Derrick Henry, who, trust me, I love Derrick Henry. I'm a big fantasy guy. He's an absolute beast. But who are the air weapons on this team? A.J. Brown is back. You have Josh Reynolds, who comes over from the Rams. Rashard mm-hmm. Davis, is that enough? I don't know. And I, I know we've been talking about head coaches here. Has Mike Rabel just been masked by what Derrick Henry can do? And I'm wondering if he finally gets exploited in this year where they just really have a down year and miss the postseason. So I just have a lot of questions about the Tennessee Titans. So great minds. Think alike here, Pete. I have written down on my show notes, how long can they sustain Derrick Henry running the show? Like that's not a a setup that lasts forever. And Derrick Henry is a freak, so it could last this year, very much so. But it's not going to last, you know, like season after season after season forever. Uh, so I, I have questions about the Titans. I don't really like love their offseason and love their roster. 
I think they're just kind of they don't have a lot of juice going for them. Um, it seems like some of the shine of you know coming out of nowhere as this unexpected team with you know, Henry taking over and Tannehill's resurgence has worn off a little bit. I like Mike Vrabel, but like you said, I kind of I just I, I wonder about this team. And you know, sixth healthiest team in the league last year. I keep going back to my uh, adjusted games loss metric from Football Outsiders. They could be due for some bad injury luck. I also had the Colts in the mix here because uh, okay. and I didn't pick them. Because people are going to be like, oh, you're just hating on Carson Wentz. And I don't feel good about Carson Wentz. So that's a real issue. But uh, that division outside of the Titans and Colts, probably not going to be really good. It's the Jags, who I think, you know, still a little bit away. And the Texans, still very much the most away of anyone possible in the NFL. So uh, I'll agree with you on the Titans here. I, I, I think it's the Colts division, although I don't want that to be the case. Yeah, the the Colts, though. And and I'm kind of out of this, right? So I don't really have a, a dog in the fight when it comes to Carson Wentz. This is the biggest case of magic beans that I've ever seen mm. before. Or I've seen in a long time where people just assume Carson Wentz, who has looked horrible, is just going to be the MVP candidate he was a couple years back because Frank Reich is there. I think we got to see it. I, I just can't buy into that yet. Now... I do feel that the Colts are a quarterback away. So maybe that gives him confidence. Maybe he can play uh, better there. And with the team surrounding him, this is going to be a situation where, where you see him turn back the clock. But yeah, it just seems like it's assumed. And this is a quarterback who, like a lot of the analysts, if you watch NFL Live or, or NFL Network, are, are just like, he's mentally broken. Yeah. How could you just assume that that is going to change now that he's just in a new location? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, and... Like Philly's one of the toughest places to play in the NFL. Indianapolis demands a lot because of the strong quarterback play that they had for so many years between Peyton Manning and then Andrew Luck before he uh, suddenly retired. My last faller, and I hate to do it, is the WFT, the Washington wow. football team. How could you? What betrayal? Well, the only loyalty that I had to them was from Alex Smith, of who's course. no longer there. Yeah. And so Al, Al's retired. And if Al goes on some kind of coaching staff, you know how I'll have them in my riser list for sure. Uh, but the WFT, more about the division than anything else. Remember, they only won the division with a 7-9 and nine record. Mm -hmm. I think the Cowboys, Eagles, and Giants are all better, uh, especially for me, the, the Cowboys and the Eagles. And I, I highlight them because they have quarterbacks who I trust. I don't really like trust Daniel Jones all that much. And so as much as I think the Giants are on the come up, I, I cannot believe that they still continue to think that Daniel Jones is an answer there at quarterback and you need a quarterback to win in this league. I think this is a division that is at least one with a nine and eight record. I think they get out of that embarrassment level of, of the division this year. And to me, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the WFT are not winning nine games. They just are not. I did like the William Jackson signing and Curtis Samuel with Ron Rivera is interesting uh, for sure, uh, especially again, going back to fantasy, like how is Ron Rivera going to use Curtis Samuel now as, as this special type of back slash receiver type guy, but it's just not enough. And, you know, again, I always go back to the QBs. It, to me, this is Dak Prescott or Jalen Hurts division to lose. So uh, unpopular opinion for RJ Ochoa, who is probably listening to this. And I've said this to him, but I feel like if you take the combination Pete of the head coach and quarterback like if you could if you assigned each of those uh guys a number and you added that up the total sum of Washington between Ron Rivera and Ryan Fitzpatrick is better than Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott maybe the gap isn't huge but I think I think it's a better combination I'd rather have that combination I really do not like 
Mike McCarthy. And I've said that before the Cowboys hired him. This isn't just me like being a homer with the Eagles and saying, oh, the Cowboys head coach sucks. No, I, I, I have not liked him. Uh, I have liked Ron Rivera, and I thought he brought respectability to Washington. And I think between Washington's ability to get hot offensively, which will happen under Ryan Fitzpatrick, who also get cold at times. But guess what? They still have a really good defense, and I think that's going to help them uh, keep afloat. And I think it's going to be another bad year for the NFCs. Not as pathetic as it was last year, but yeah. for the NFCs mixtape, uh, Pete, RJ and I predicted each of the team's records and I went through game by game a very you know scientific guaranteed to be accurate exercise <laughs> and I had Washington coming out top at nine and eight kind of like you said okay. there and I have literally the other three NFC's teams finishing right behind them at eight and nine which seems crazy and probably not likely but uh I have Washington winning the division so it's not by much so I can't fault you for putting them in this category they absolutely are a top contender in this category this is definitely no where I think we do agree right is this is definitely a division that could come down to like a couple weird plays and close games that you're like oh if that didn't break that way the Eagles wouldn't be going to the playoffs you know and it should be fun to watch I, I enjoy as much as like the AFC West is competitive especially if Rodgers goes to the Broncos and like oh my god um I think sometimes like that that lower level of football is enjoyable because it's just anybody's <laughs> division to have and uh, yeah you could see a repeat there I think nine wins gets it done though I think it's a race to nine wins how smug how smug Pete Sweeney is yeah I enjoy this lesser brand of football among uh, my, you know, my <laughs> masterful AFC hey the West. NF the N as you know well the NFC East used to be the cream of the crop and so mm. there will be a time when the AFC West football is garbage and the NFC East is back in the mix they're gonna we know one thing they're gonna get primetime games as it is anyway and that is a good play to end it here on a beautiful edition of Monday Football Monday, we'd like to reiterate, please leave us a rating and review on the SB Nation NFL show. Everything helps. And as RJ often notes, we will read it if you leave a review, even if you leave multiple reviews as we did today. Thanks to BLG for filling in RJ Ochoa. I'm Pete Sweeney. This has been another edition of Monday Football Monday.